0: I took two approaches. I went to the commissioners and our management to find out what did they envision this solution to look like. But then I went to the end users to find out what they're doing now and what would they like to be doing. And some wanted to get rid of some of their processes that didn't make sense to them or thought was just above and beyond and they didn't understand. And really what was interesting throughout the whole process, the discovery of writing those SOPs with each end user and creating the customer service department was how a lot of people didn't know what happened to something after it left their desk. So they literally couldn't tell you what the next step, what was happening there. So by investigating all of that, it gave us a really nice roadmap as to what our software needed to do. And now everyone is in the know. They still might not have any ownership of let's say a permit after let's say customer service puts it in the workflow kicks it off to zoning and engineering and they do their part but everyone can now go in and see where it's at or see if any notes have been left in the system and this was a completely manual process for us before so I let the needs of the end users be the main the main drive for what our eventual software could do.
1: Joe Mensch was the first member interview I did when I created the pioneering change community. There was a reason for that. The history of the projects that we had worked on together represent a critical intersection of customer service, work culture, and technology. Joe was the key internal partner to work with me on improving customer service work processes and integrating them with technology to build a lean one-stop customer service center. Today, he jokingly refers to his customer service staff as our front-line Google. At the time of this interview, he was director of IT. Today, he is assistant manager at Muhlenberg Township in Berks County, Pennsylvania. You will hear in this interview how a person who understands IT and people can bring your local government new life. We start in by talking about the silo work culture, and the way things were done before we began our work. Let's get started.
0: Well, still had, and that's just how you did it. If you needed a permit, you went over to engineering. If you had a question about your trash bill, you had to walk across the hall. And I think there was also internal confusion as well as admittedly confusion for the, the public.
1: The first thing we did was pull the customer service folks together and begin to talk about their customer service experience. And my memory of this was, it was just so interesting because everybody wanted to talk about their customer service experience. Like, well, you you wouldn't believe what goes on in our department. This is what happens in our department. And so there was a lot of, it it just took some time for them all to realize, oh, we have that in our department too. Let me tell you what we do. And then at the same time. I remember you're introducing because they're asking you, where is this all going, Joe? Where is this all going? What are we doing? I don't get this. And you begin to talk about the technology, that there's going to be this technology that they're going to learn that's going to help them get more consistent across the different departments. And uh, I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I'm not in Joe's shoes because (laughs) they gave you such a hard time. And I want you to talk about that.
0: It was interesting. It was almost the perfect storm, but in a good way, because we were moving to a new location. So the physical constructs of how we interact with residents was changing. So that in itself was a huge help because now instead of people running from office to office or different floors, they were gonna come into the lobby. and have this half round, really beautiful area that people could interact and get all of their business done in in one spot. So that helped. The introduction of new software is obviously makes people uh, apprehensive and nervous. They, whenever I I call a meeting together, I'm like, okay, so here we're going to have this new, everyone groans and rolls their eyes and says they won't be able to learn it. And then a year later, they'll say things like, I can't believe we didn't have this sooner. So it's your return on investment comes a little bit later, not financially, but like in the gratification and the enthusiasm that people have to use the software.
1: But I think this is an important point. How did you get them over the hump? Because there is the one, the one thinking is that you have to tell them you have to use it, and then there's the other. I guess maybe it's a little bit of the carrot and the stick. I'm not sure. What was your strategy for getting people over that?
0: Resistance? I was I would take their situations, mostly the things that they thought were not working, breakdowns in manual workflows or an abundance of paperwork or duplicate entries in one way, shape, or form. And I would present it in a way that would solve those problems. So even though they were nervous about taking on the new responsibility, and it's hard. I have end users of all different levels. It's across the spectrum. I have people that I never have to help. I show them one time, that's it. And that was back in 2014, Zone uh, so we went live with that beginning of 15. and I still have some questions from people every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But what I did was I gave it to them and showed them how this was going to make their life easier. but not just on paper or in theory. I always made sure to bring the frontline workers into the fold for software demonstrations. You know and a lot of times, and this is in the private sector too. Management are the only ones that see what this thing can do. And then you're supposed to just verbally tell people or in an email, well, we're doing this and you're going to love it, but they want to see why they're going to love it. They want to, you want them to perceive the value before you start asking them to do the hard work. Mm-hmm. So if you do it the other way. Your adoption rate is, is slow. And like you said, in this case, there was no, no other option. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we were cutting off some manual processes that for some people are like their security blanket. Yeah. They like the way they did it. They know the way they did it. It was never questioned before. So you have to weed through people's insecurities. You also have to coddle them sometimes a little bit that this is not a job taker. This is a job enhancer. Right. And yeah. that goes for the processes we came up with and the software. You have to, and, and it's amazing. It always works out, no matter how hesitant some people are in the beginning.
1: Yeah. You had some tough nuts to... They they were not really happy, and it was like they, we're had really this. <laughs> they wanted to talk about the bad situations. So they, they were very they happy. Say, this is yeah. what happened, and, but it was their situation. They were really telling us, "But I've mastered it. Like mm-hmm. I know how to handle these people." So when when we began. Introducing them to the idea that they were going to learn about processes that actually overlapped with other departments, that there was going to be, and I'll put a picture uh, on the in the community with this interview of the one-stop customer service center, which I think others are modeling, or this is something, a more common idea, but it, it really was this idea that I cannot learn anything about the engineering and codes. Yeah, they
0: were like, that's that's so much information. How in the world uh, am I expected to know as much as Jane Smith, who has done this for 15 years, when I've only done, I've only done trash billing. Mm -hmm. How in the world? And that's where the sell of the software to them helped because that was also going to become a tool that was going to teach them while they used it. You couldn't not learn how some of these SOPs and and workflows were going to be implemented.
1: Yeah. And process for me is, is so at the core of what I do, but yet people always wonder, what are you actually talking about? And I know that process can take time, but the value is in taking the time to actually bring people together and say, no, what actually happens when somebody calls in with a complaint about fill in the blank. What actually does happen, and and, and we did it together, so everybody was listening to the process, you are attuned to how is this going to inform the technology? Mm -hmm. Is that a good way to describe, like, your role was like, not only are they getting it right, what is this actually what we do here at the Township, but how is that going to to be reflected in that technology as you develop it?
0: Yeah, is the technology going to mirror what everyone has in their head is the end result or the best way to do things. And in some cases, the software had to bend to the will of the departments because of of how it's structured. And then in, in other cases, it worked the opposite. But it was interesting to see everybody have that aha moment, not all at once, trust me, when they realized that they actually were more empowered when they knew what was happening instead of them collecting a sheet, putting it in a bin, they didn't think about it anymore because sometimes it had nothing to do with them. And now everyone has more of a stake in the game and they can follow up and no one has the ability to hoard information anymore. Which is Which, very important today. Right, it is. We, that's one thing that I can say with the township that was it left when some of the employees left. Mm-hmm. when they retired or things like that we you find out that they had hit a lot or they were so protective of their job and their process that they they didn't really want to be part of it mm-hmm. so the technology helps break yeah. those balls down
1: so there is and this is true whenever i work with departments that are they want to do cross training there's a fear of i think a loss of status if, yep. if other people know what i do then i will be less relevant or you know necessary. So there was some of that going on, but what I had, what I enjoyed, a couple of things. One is when we would ask that question. So why is it we do that? And they would like all scratch their heads. Like it was, it became a That's game. An
0: answer. We yep. don't have
1: to do that. Nobody yep. knew why we were doing that. It was just the way we always, so that was fun. And the other fun part was when they started putting pieces together, there were residents who were running like an end game with one department and saying, oh, yeah, I'm trying to think of all oh, the, the, it was on the utilities collection. They weren't being completely honest about what they owned or what
0: they were, mm-hmm. you know, what was- And that, that, that fleshed all that out, rentals. We'd started a right. rental program to track all the rentals in the township and that was, that was an eye opener for some people.
1: So there's information that's happening in, in one of the areas and somebody from another area is saying, oh no, I can tell you exactly where that person is because they come in, in for Parks and Rec and I I take their registration. So there was this back and forth. and And I think for them, they realized, my gosh, one day they looked at me and they said, Everybody comes to us now because we know everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They really felt they had a sense of the whole township in terms of just what's going on because they became, their jobs as frontline customer service just became that vital. And I don't know if things have evolved, but I certainly was what I was feeling. They were feeling very empowered.
0: They, I, I can't stress enough how important those frontline, our version of a frontline worker is because they're almost like our built-in Google, people can come up to them and pretty much throw almost any question at them regarding something that the township and because of the software and SOPs we implemented, they most of the time can answer that right away. So what used to be a, I'll have to get somebody to get back to you and residents. I've found, especially after the customer service process we went through is sometimes residents need an answer and they're satisfied even if it's not what they wanted to hear Mm -hmm. that void of communication when someone says someone will get back to you they've immediately some of them are are, feel like they're not being heard Mm -hmm. so i think customer service helps to minimize uh, that type of interaction Mm -hmm. that coupled with technology we try to make everything Customer service has uh, available, their disposable forms, frequently asked questions, things like that. We always try to mirror that on our web.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you you guys did a great job at that. During that process, the, the front line was actually coming up with recommendations for what could go into those FAQs. I loved yeah. the process because it was really largely, they, they owned it. They really were willing to dig in and say, here's what I think would really help because we get so many calls about this. Why it's, don't we.
0: They saw value right away because they saw, they saw their suggestions being implemented fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think that gave them some empowerment and that gave them some value. Yeah, They didn't feel like they were answering phones which I think is what the perception was internal and external for a number of years.
1: Yeah, I do wanna say, not to dwell on this too long, but the first time I took the recommendations to the management team, we had some great support, but there were those who were like, why are you letting them make these recommendations? They took me to task, like we hired you, the consultant, and they, you're bringing forward their recommendations. And it was something that really required a mind shift in terms of what we were trying to accomplish, which was to give them the ability to participate in this this development of a customer service because they're the ones that are seeing it. That was one challenge that I encountered as uh, the consultant in the project. And the second was, there was an insistence on the part of at least one department director who was not willing to give up their administrative assistant that they wanted to have their special person mm-hmm. not even part of the customer service center in their department and i've seen this we i've done this project in other municipalities and the same that same thing comes up and i ha- i still have it resolved from a design issue which is Obviously, they get to make that call. I don't know from your view, maybe it is a necessary part of the design to let some directors have their sort of personal assistant. And
0: I think it's dependent on the the size of the organization and your internal culture. Mm -hmm. You're always going to have some slightly bad behavior here and there. I remember when this occurred, we were like, okay, but can we still reach our end game? regardless. So if we yeah. take the person out of the equation, can we still make this work? And, and of course we could. The ironic part is holding someone back from being in, in the process and being part of that development team, so to speak, yes. actually ended, ended up putting them at a disadvantage. Yes. Both the director and the person they thought they were protecting from, I don't know what to be honest, I forget all the things we heard. undo work, that's not their job, things like that. Right. I think in that situation, the that protected employee got really the short end of the stick because they did not really understand what was going on. And because of the changes we made, there was still part of the workflow that they were going to be a part of no matter what. And they struggled immensely to, to get a handle on that. And until they left, I really don't know if they ever did, to be honest.
1: And it seems to me, too, they, they they were still called on in emergencies because that's the way we operate now, lean. So there's somebody that goes out, they have to fill in. And as you said, that they weren't quite as equipped to, to do the work in terms of filling in. And they didn't like that. And in fact, I, the morale of the team, I think, was an issue. This is a person that could have brought a lot of value to that and did bring a lot of value to the team. But once they're separated or they're not made a part of it, there is a... Right away you just it's the idea that somebody is special and and that that
0: doesn't try to eliminate that and ever helps. Yeah. I I can't speak for other townships in their very nitty-gritty, you know, granular how their culture is, but I've seen that happen a couple times over the past twenty years is it that one one little act like that has such an enormous ripple effect that will not it doesn't go away as long as that situation exists it will keep manifesting itself in a different way mm-hmm. because that i don't know for lack of a better words that special treatment that person's receiving then starts extending to other areas where it was never intended to mm-hmm. you know customer service has set hours and they have to be there and obviously being present is the only way that works whether it's by email or by telephone or in person. So the person that was meant to be down there in the fold, reinforcing and growing our front line, now also doesn't have the same responsibilities, but also has different hours and things like that. So it's that's something that I would guess that a lot of places struggle with. You would be better suited to tell me, but yeah, that's...
1: Well, maybe, and maybe we can move on at this point, but there might be some that, You know, folks that have questions about this and are thinking thinking through this and can reach out and we can have some discussion around it. But again, I, I just think it is something that I continue to think about all the time with clients, not only the idea of a one sort of stop customer center, but also the idea of working through processes and seeing the value of how you can really streamline efficiencies, create better consistency across the departments. But the peer team true. It's just, to me, a huge benefit to the overall.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. And I want to ask you then what you're doing now that excites you with your job. What are some things in your job
0: that make you? No one else is usually excited <laughs> about these <laughs> things, but I am. The The best thing, which, which will always happen, that's one thing that's in information technology. I don't ever have a lot of set days where I can really say this is A, B, and C is going to happen. There's always things that pop up. My What keeps me going is innovation. I like being the first township to do this. I like being able to offer that to residents. Technology, and especially in the past 10 years with the adoption of smartphones by almost every demographic now, being able to offer things mobilely. So people can always have access to our service and ask questions, get a hold of us. So basically, my short answer is I love finding things that can be improved and efficiency. And I like that internal and external gratification that people get when they realize something they had perceived to be difficult to do or information they thought was unattainable is. And sometimes digging up old data that we had lying around to make better use of that. And anytime I can go paperless is exciting for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or just minimize the amount of paper. It's hard because uh, you know, not everyone wants to always use a computer to solve their problem. But like I said, a lot of those, that's, a, that's more of an older style of thinking that is pretty much gone now at the township. So yeah. that's helpful. But I like that it's evolving. It's ever-changing. I am a just natural-born fix-it. I like to fix things. I like efficiency. you're an innovator. I love rules. Yeah. You like rules. Love rules. Love. I I don't know if they, if everyone followed rules, it would be a much better place. Of course, that's not very uh, realistic, but the more people you can get to follow the rules, the better because they're there for a reason. Sometimes it's hard to uh, convey that to our residents when they want to do something or a lot of that comes sometimes when people want to put a fence or a pool They just don't understand why do I have to do this and you know, trying to explain people that we all have to follow the rules there's there's a reason okay. it all works out how are you about changing the rules I'm fine with changing the rules if you can if you can find a, an added benefit mm-hmm. sometimes you have to change rules because someone wasn't following the rules mm-hmm. those situations aren't so fun but for the most part, I just, yeah, I like to fix things. I like to improve things. And I'm accused in my personal life of constantly trying to fix everyone's problems. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm not a good listener, but as I'm listening, I try to tell the person exactly how to fix the problem. <laughs> most of the, <laughs> my problem fixing. Well, deals in the- your job, actually. Yeah. Sure that helps. Uh, ones and zeros are what I deal with. And the human condition is a dynamic, fluid, biological component that Can't always be solved mathematically.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the irrational side of us doesn't follow linear kinds of not at all thinking. We are not. Yeah, but there is from that other way of thinking, uh, this sort of creative side, which does seem to me. I used the word innovation earlier. I do see you as an innovator, which means. It's not like you're stuck on the way things have always been done. You're very yeah, willing it's, it's, to go to a new way of doing things. Things and, can
0: always be improved, even things I've come up with. Right. So, oh, so always.
1: let's talk about this app because um, so you have, I think a lot of municipalities are doing this now, but there's an app that people can get to people with the township. And I could see where people might say, oh, that sounds really messy to me. That sounds like people just have
0: complicated do this and- that's a huge, that was the biggest uphill battle probably that I ever faced the township as far as an implementation to technology, because I was very upfront in the beginning. I said, this is going to really open us up we are we're going to be transparent. There's going to be no more. We'll get back to you. People have a request or a concern. They submit through the app and then they're notified every step of the way. They're notified once it's been marked as received. They're notified once it's in progress. They can communicate the whole time through the app with whatever person that was assigned to. Some people were a little alarmed at first. Well, oh, I always take those calls with the app. Yeah. If it's a zoning issue, if someone wants to put it, has a question about a zoning permit or a fence or a shed, or, it goes to the zoning officer directly. The value I see in that is it expedited people's request for information or issue. And they could see it being solved in real time. Mm -hmm. So it was something I thought was important for us. I always struggle with people and the perception of government and red tape and waste. And one thing this app really helped with was people feeling more of a part of their own problems and solutions. Yeah. Instead of just being a phone call or an email where they waited for days uh, for someone to get back to them. Mm-hmm. And it helped immensely with record keeping. For years, we wanted to know, how many trash complaints are we getting? Where are our potholes? Because if you give people the ability to report on potholes, mm-hmm. I can tell you exactly where they all are. Mm-hmm. But people can also upload photos with the app. It just, it really cut down on the amount of time to solve a problem, included that transparency. And I think even though you don't really react uh, or interact with the person visually or on the phone, you still feel included. They they feel like they're being heard. That's the most important
1: part. So what is the attitude now on the part of your management team and your professional staff? Are they?
0: I would say one thing Brian Harris, our township manager, always says is I recommend this app to everyone, every other township manager I meet, because he loves the ability to hop in there, and get real-time data. Great. So he, everyone loves it. I would say that my public works director doesn't love it so much because, like, right now, if you go in, you'll see a couple hundred requests to have people's, have their leaves picked up. Mm. They're very upset their leaves haven't been picked up yet. But it gives him a nice sense also, even from his perspective, might be a pain in the butt that he's getting all these notifications every day. But he also knows where in the township were uh, a little deficient Mm -hmm. in picking up. So he can then go to his crew and say, hey, I've noticed there's this cluster of requests for service in this area, what's going on? So before we would have never known. We would have taken the call, their address, given it to Public Works and then poof, who knows? Was it ever resolved? Was it ever taken care of? Because now every request that's open must be completed and employees are reminded within 48 hours if no action has been taken. Mm -hmm. And then if nothing's been done with a complaint for seven days, including weekends, it will go to the directors and the township manager because I felt that was important because people forget things. It's Mm -hmm. not always intended negligence, but it gave us that 10,000 foot view. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Who's not being taken care of? Where are issues?
1: Before we started today, we were talking about this a little bit, and uh, you mentioned that there's a lot of these apps out there now. The app that
0: you're using is, was started as Public Stuff,
1: mm-hmm.
0: was the name of the company and they've been acquired by Acela.
1: Acela. Yeah. This is your, the app do you have on the phone? Is, is it yep. Acela app? Okay, great. That's really helpful. Let me just ask you, as we begin to wrap up here, what is it that we would hope to leave behind in 2020 when we leave this year? What is it about this year that you just assume you leave behind?
0: <laughs> There's so many things, Nancy, yeah. <laughs> as far as the township yeah. goes. Anything else? You can add anything you'd like. <laughs> it's
1: all kind of, this year has been such a blend. It's like our work. And our personal life has just been completely intertwined. It's hard to yeah. do one without thinking of the other. Yeah.
0: Highs and lows. And yeah, of all the years, your personal life has certainly been affected by your professional life, no matter who you are, because I don't know a lot of people that haven't had some form of disruption. Yeah. We have the added uh stress of also not only keeping ourselves safe during the pandemic or any emergency for that matter, but we had the responsibility to our residents to, for instance, our building is closed at the moment. And while that angered a lot of people, at the end of the day, it was the best decision to keep them safe because the the our younger demographic does not come into township ever. They never need to. They pay their tax bill and their trash bill online or via their bill pay. They use our app. Uh, we also have, in, in conjunction with the app, we have, a, there's a web component. So if they don't wanna use their mobile device, they can get the same interaction and service through our, our web portal where they can submit their things. So the older demographic is who was coming in. They like to hand that bill to somebody. You they want to see somebody take that check and put it in a drawer and they wanna hold a receipt. That's been hard, I know, for some of our residents and we had to close. It, If I had to leave something behind, I guess I would like to think that some people's uh, perception of how much people are working and what constitutes proof of work is transformed. And we realize that your physical location these days, I should say, for a lot of my employees at the township, it really doesn't matter where you are. It, remember, it matters what you're doing and what you are. If you're a good worker, that's really not going to be affected by being at home. I, I started to move everybody to mobile technologies, laptops and Microsoft surfaces that they, they actually can take them home with them every night if they want to. And they come in the morning and they dock. And then they're working on two gigantic screens and they have a keyboard and a mouse. And but yet it's all being run off that small mobile uh, Tablet device.
1: It's very interesting to me. I see a relationship between your confidence in this and your ability because you've made work so transparent that people are able to see uh, data and that you hmm. are able to to measure. You can do a better job of measuring what's happening in, in, in various jobs. So I think that there's a real strong relationship there. But I, it also leads into my next question, Again, wrapping this up and thinking about community, because once you have people working remotely, the other part of you is very social and it's important to keep people connected. And I think there's also uh, a strong need. My experience of this year has been, we do need to be connected, but finding a way to be in community when we're not always physically together is a
0: challenge. It is a challenge. You think about that? I I do. And to be honest, I think that's something that we have room for improvement on Mm -hmm. is that not assuming everyone's okay and checking in, even when things are, I think that's one thing that I'd like to see a little bit more of. Mm -hmm. I can't run around and force every department to talk to one another, but I, I tried to check in just for myself with everybody on a regular basis, just to make sure they, they are okay. Yeah. We have this kind of hybrid situation. Our customer service still is there. The the shutters are down and no one's in the building, but they're there to continue to answer the phones and keep, keep our services going. Okay.
1: That's, I think, important. It, it does seem to me, particularly in customer service, That you need to hear what's going on sometimes. Like it's it's the chatter behind the scenes that that you pick up on and say, oh, that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. Certainly, when I was becoming a professional, I was put my first professional job, a desk in a room with three other consultants. I had this little tiny desk in the corner and I know they were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're putting another person in here. I learned so much the year that I was in that office because I could hear what they were talking about with clients, how they interacted. So I always think of that in the workplace that there is some need. I guess you gotta find the balance, but
0: there- There's, There's a happy medium. And obviously in our case, no one's going to remote work forever. But if anything, this year has shown us that people can, if they need to be, we need to be a little bit uh, more forward thinking, I think, as far as the workplace environment. That being said, I also agree with you that there needs to be that running across somebody or going down to pick up mail and customer service and you overhear something that connects to something you're working on or a problem that you've heard, not having that physical interaction that ball would have been dropped, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the problem wouldn't have been solved, but everyone would have been maybe a little more in tune with what was going on. Right. Although everyone's very good about still maintaining our phone calls and our email communication. No one's going radio silent. That's right. where I think you'll know if there's an issue.
1: Yeah. And I guess we have to just take into account the variation. I've been working remote, so to speak, for decades, but I do know people that I think suffer when they don't have a physical connection and maybe they need to go, they need to leave their their home office to go to a place where they're interacting with people. So I guess we have to find, yeah, these this sort of a hybrid work environment where people have their needs to be productive, whatever it takes to be productive and get matched to the right environment. Absolutely. It has been great talking with you. This is my first uh, member introduction interview. I couldn't have picked a better person to do it with. I'm going to stop recording now, hang on there so I can stay bit. but uh, this has been a great interview. Thank Thank you.
0: Thank you for the opportunity, I really appreciate it.